Your family's happy, his family is happy. Um, your life is mapped out for you, really. And then suddenly, everything is changed. Suddenly, everything is different because an angel has appeared. An angel has stood in front of you. And the first things the angel says is, do not be afraid. Well, of course you're afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You're going to get pregnant. Well, if that is not enough to frighten a young woman, I don't know what is. Greetings, you <clears throat> who are highly favoured. You are special. Mary is special. Those of us that live in the Baptist world uh, and the nonconformist world, I don't think we, we pay close enough attention to Mary. We don't give her enough respect uh, we, we clearly don't want to fall into any sort of false worship or adoration of her. But to give her her full due, I think, is the right thing to do. She's going to carry in her womb the saviour of the world. It is a high calling. God thought that she was special, and therefore she is. She's going, to <clears throat> she's going to have a child, and the child will be called Jesus, one who saves his people. He's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. God clearly is with Mary in a very special and particular way, and she is the first to hear this message, God with us. And I think it's worth emphasizing in our culture and in our day uh, that it was a young woman who heard the news first that God was coming into the world. And interestingly, when Jesus rises from the dead, it is a group of women who receive the news first. It is a group of women who are given that responsibility of sharing the news of Jesus' resurrection. In this instance, it is the coming of God into the world through the womb of a young woman. Clearly, God is with Mary in a very special way. We don't have to wonder anymore about what God is like. Uh, he is not an angry old man waiting to zap us, sitting on a cloud. God is with us sharing our experiences, immersing himself in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the risky, in the chaos, in the joys, in the sorrows of everyday human living. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, he saves. He's going to be great He's going to be in the line of David. He's going to be a royal child. He's going to do marvellous things. God is going to do marvellous things through him. Mary, and it begins here, now, with you, this very moment. That was the message that the angel brought to Mary. Mary's response is absolutely magnificent. 
It is slightly mixed, as we might expect. Fear? Well, of course, this is an angelic visitation. We get this wrong when we do nativity plays, I think. Uh, We always get little girls, don't we, to be angels. We dress them in little white shifts and we put tinsel in their hair and we, we look for pretty and cute. I don't think angels are pretty and cute. I think angels are scary. I think they are awe-inspiring. I think they reflect the glory of God because they're in the presence of God all the time. I think it's hard to look at them. I think it's hard to bear their presence because it want, their presence among us wants to <clears throat> burn our sight up. Of course Mary's going to be afraid because a strange sort of man has turned up in her room. Don't be afraid. You're going to get pregnant. What? It's an astonishing thing to hear. And Mary could have said all sorts of things in response. Although she is promised to be married, she's not yet married. Think of the stigma. What is her beloved going to say when she shares the news with him? I'm going to have a baby. And he knows it's not his. This is... Excuse me, this is dangerous, very dangerous for Mary. She could have said anything, couldn't she? She could have said, I don't want a baby. She could have said, I'm too young. She could have said, I'm not important enough. So she asks Gabriel to explain. She's not stupid. She knows how women get pregnant. And she knows that she is a virgin. And it's not possible for her to have a child in the normal run of things. And after the explanation, this is what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. That is the most staggering example of obedience I have ever read in the New Testament. Her life is about to be turned upside down. Who knows what the consequences may be of this event, humanly speaking. And yet, she allows it. A very simple acceptance of God's plan for her life. What are we like when God comes to us? I think sometimes we make life too complicated, don't we? We attach lots of clauses to our obedience. Lord, I would follow you if it weren't for work. I would follow you uh, once my children are grown and have fled the nest. I will follow you when I'm less busy at work. I will follow you when. I will follow you if. We have any number of reasons not to fall in with God's plan. God will not force himself upon you, but he will come to you time and time and time again. And he will offer himself to you. And he will offer you the chance to respond and become his child. It is entirely your choice. 
If we want to be left to our own devices, if we want to be left to struggle on alone, then God will let us. He will honour our choice. But friends, we've no one to blame apart from ourselves if that happens. So the angel's message, Mary's response, and finally the God of the impossible. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a baby. How can that happen? I'm a virgin. It's impossible for a virgin to conceive a child and to give birth. Well, other things <clears throat> that seemed impossible uh, at that time also seem to now be possible. Um, Mary's cousin Elizabeth, an older lady with no children, who is said to be barren, she and Zechariah, who have longed for a child all of their married life together, well, <clears throat> even she's pregnant now. She's six months in, uh, and amazing things are happening with her. It should not be so, but it is so. Nothing is impossible for God. This is the God that we worship. In his ministry, Jesus does all sorts of miraculous things, things which, on the face of it, would seem impossible. Taking a handful of bread rolls and a couple of fish and feeding well over 5,000 people. Walking on water. Taking jars of ordinary water for cleaning yourself and turning them into the best wine you've ever tasted. Our God is the God of the impossible. This Jesus whom we follow does amazing things. We haven't talked about healing. We haven't talked about deliverance from <clears throat> demonic oppression. We haven't talked about, you know, all of that really, really spectacular stuff, have we? But there's something equally spectacular and exciting, but much, much lower profile. And that's the way in which, when people are confronted with the good news about Jesus, about forgiveness of sin, about the possibility of new life, when people say yes to that... Everything changes. All things are possible. Prostitutes change their ways. Mary Magdalene, possibly, maybe, as an example in the New Testament. Tax collectors like Zacchaeus and Levi, who becomes Matthew and follows Jesus as a thoroughgoing disciple. Adulterers like the woman in John's Gospel, chapter 8. You can think about people you know, not people from stories in the Bible, but people you actually know, whose lives have been turned upside down by this encounter with Jesus. Some of you could bear testimony to that truth in your own life. When we meet this risen Jesus, we're not the same afterwards. You and I are just the same as these other Folk, where the remarkable thing, the remarkable thing about human beings is the ability to change. The potential for moral awareness, the potential for moral growth, 
the potential for growing into moral maturity, spiritual maturity. God calls to us, and we feel drawn to him. Now, it's up to us whether or not we follow. It is entirely up to us whether or not we follow. But God wants to be with us. That's what this season of the year says to us loud and clear. Emmanuel, God with us. God demonstrates his commitment to us in the incarnation, in the giving of his son, whose names are Jesus, Saviour, Emmanuel, God with us. This is our God. He demonstrates his commitment to us. He wants to save us. He wants to be with us. Friends, will we let him? That's the question. Let's pray. We thank you for Mary, Father, uh, and for the opportunity to reflect on this episode in her life. It is an absolutely astonishing thing that happens. It is outside of our compass, outside of our experience. But it's an amazing thing. And her response, Lord, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That is the the most remarkable response of faith. We so want to be like her. We really want to be like her, Lord. Help us in our faltering, stumbling discipleship. Continue to draw us on, to hold on to us, to lift us up, and to help us find a depth of faith that will astonish us. Draw near to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together once again. And following this song, we will gather around the Lord's table. There is a Redeemer. If you're able, please stand. Oh, for sin, a 
If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We know that we are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us about the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. We read that Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving 
and we shall do the same. Let us pray. We are thankful, Father God, for a physical remembrance, for something to eat and drink, for something to handle, to taste, to touch and to see. This acts as a very firm and strong reminder for us of the cost of our salvation. As we eat, we become very conscious of your body broken in our place. As we drink, we become very aware of your blood poured out to cover our sin. We are thankful. We pray that we might ever be so. And that we might renew our covenant, our promise to you. As we eat and drink today, may it be so. Amen. So after the Lord had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. We will eat the bread as we receive it.
In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We retain the cup, friends, and drink together. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Friends, we sing our closing song together. Again, if you're able, please stand before the throne of God above.
can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect, spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Saviour and my God, with Christ my Saviour and my God. Love with all sincerity, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen.